You are listening to 89.5 FM KOPN Columbia, Mid-Missouri's source for in-depth news, diverse talk and music of the world. It is so much more than radio. It is your community radio on the web at kopn.org. And this is Speaking of the Arts. Good Friday morning to you. I'm Monica Senecal Palmer in the chair for Diana Moxon, who's off gallivanting and having a lovely time. Uh, I threatened to do the whole show in a British accent, but then I thought that would be painful for everyone. So, <laughs> so apologies if you tuned in expecting to hear uh, the Duchess's uh, beautiful voice. But uh, no apologies for the show today because we've got some amazing guests on. We're going to have a whole hour of theater theater chat and uh, learning about what's going on with our mid Missouri theaters that we love. We're, we're very excited because we're actually seeing things like ticket sales and upcoming live performances and things like this that make uh, a theater goer's heart uh, beat a little faster. So I'm very excited today. Uh, in the second half of the program, we'll be talking to Christopher Gould uh, about uh, Maplewood Barn Theater and Morgan Truesdale. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Maplewood Barn Theater. And in first half of the show, we have Enola White in the studio right now with Columbia Entertainment Company. Yes, hello. Welcome. And you're you're polishing off a brand new title yes. of official executive director mm-hmm. yes. of Columbia Entertainment Company. So yeah, that's it's exciting. Very exciting. I, you've got me as uh, executive director and Elizabeth Alexander as artistic director. So and this is a relatively new thing, or I mean, it happened in 2020. What a year to become executive director. <laughs> well, I mean, it had to happen sometime. That's uh, right. But uh, we chose. We've been thinking about creating these positions for a long time. Yeah. And it became clear in 2020 with everything that was going on that our volunteer board was not going to be able to juggle everything as it was constantly changing. So we just needed to make a decision and um, have an executive director and an artistic director. Um, And so we had two individuals in in our existing company that had the skill sets and excuse me, um, our board decided to appoint myself and uh, Liz in those positions. So we're very thankful and we're very excited to have vision and have execution to, to get things done. Absolutely. And two amazing actresses and directors in your own right, which brings me to your current show. We'll tease a little bit because I want to get into <laughs> detail about it. But A Killer Party, I see that you're co-directing with Liz. So how is how is that like managing the whole big picture and then also managing the next show coming up? Yeah, so it's more of like we're the coordinators of the show um, because just it's a virtual production. So a lot of it is um, self-managed by the actors themselves, learning their lines, learning the songs, and then um, setting up their shots and deciding what kind of costume pieces that they're going to wear. So it's not a necessarily traditional director's seat um, Mm -hmm. that we're sitting in. It's more of you haven't submitted this video. I need you to (laughs) submit it uh, by midnight at this date. Um, So kind of like hounding people. A little babysitting. Yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And it, we're starting to see some clips come in, and nice. I'm super excited about the final Good. product. Well, I want to talk about that, because yeah. this is a really unique thing that CEC is doing with A Killer Party, and hopefully it's the <clears> last, <throat> like thing we're doing virtually before mm-hmm. we get back into the same space. Because as we've said many times over this past 18 months, you know, there's nothing that will replace being together right. with a group of people in the dark, going on a journey and <laughs> just experiencing live theater together. And so we're, we're very excited to get back to that reality. But this is something really cool. So tell me, 
looking back at these past 18 months, what, what was the most heartbreaking thing as someone being as involved in theater as you are? What's been the most heartbreaking thing for you? I think the most heartbreaking thing was realizing that August Osage County was not going to happen. Right. Because um, it was a few weeks out from opening, uh, right when the first initial lockdown came. And then when social distancing started to become a thing. And then when the orders about you can't have individuals in entertainment venues, just we tried so hard to to get that show to keep it going because yeah. the set was built. It was fantastic. The, it's a house. Uh, it, it, I mean, you have to build a house. There was for a two story <laughs> house in my theater. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, so that was very heartbreaking. Yeah. Not, not only to to have to cancel that show, but then honestly to tear that set down. Right. Oh, um, no. Because that we left it there thinking, okay, we'll come back. We'll come back. Yeah. We'll come back. And then it became, we're not going to make it. it. We're not going to come back. Well, and the, the actors at that point, the director, the actors, everyone at that point has invested so much time mm-hmm. and so much mm-hmm. energy. And a lot of people don't understand, you know, community theater, it's volunteer. Yes, you know, no right. one's getting a paycheck for this, regardless of wh- whether it goes up or not. So what was the harder call or announcement to make to the public that had purchased tickets or to those actors and people on on the crew that had worked and and you know blood sweat and tears into this show I, it was definitely the crew the casting yeah. crew um because we wanted the show to go up as the the administration administration and leadership of the theater we right. wanted it we knew it was going to be a hit people had been requesting oh, August yeah. Sage county for years and so we were very excited to actually have it yeah and then we couldn't do it. Yeah. And to try to explain that to someone when you don't know what's going on um, and there's this invisible hand that's telling you, no, you must you must not do the thing that you want to do. Right. Um, it, that was that was the hardest part was breaking it to the cast. What is the the thing that you're proudest of as as a as a theater company? So speak for all of Columbia Entertainment Company, the board and the the actors and and the family at CEC. Uh, what what was the thing you're proudest of that you've done in the past eighteen months? I, Liz and I just had this conversation, um, and it's the fact that somehow, in spite all of the adversity and the obstacles. We still managed to pull off a six-show season. Yeah. <laughs> and she said that. And she's like, yeah, Killer Party is going to be the sixth show. It's going to be the sixth show of our season. Like, How in the world did we man- we canceled all of these other fantastic, wonderful productions? And we still managed to put up six shows that people thoroughly enjoyed. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's that's been the kind of guiding light, the most impressive thing that I I can't believe that we we managed to pull that off. Necessity is the mother of invention, yeah, and CEC yeah. really invented some new ways to bring theater to people. I, you know, I, I'm very impressed with everything that I've seen with oh, you. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. So we're going to talk about a killer party first, but let's go ahead and preview what's coming up for this season because I think people will be happy, especially hearing about August Osage County, <laughs> hearing about your your upcoming season. Yes. So good news, August Osage County <laughs> is coming back. It was a priority for us to make sure that it got back on our season. Um, so our the first half of our season is comprised of Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which will open late August and run the first couple of weekends of September. Um, Then we've got Arsenic and Old Lace going up in the October slot. So it'll be a little bit of a a kind of comedy, um, spooky, scary um, going on in um, Halloween. We have a wonderful little uh, jukebox musical called Winter Wonderettes um, that'll open in December. Um, So if you really like 60s Christmas holiday music, Come on, get your kicks off uh, with Winter Wonderettes. Nice. Um, then the very exciting part of the season is we're bringing back Fences. Um, oh, so Fences wow. is going up in um, February, which would have been the same slot that it would have been this last year. 
August Osage County is sliding right back into its April time slot. And then we're going to close out the season with a, you know, a gangbuster, a lot of fun with the producers. Um, So, wow. Yeah. (laughs) You don't mess around. When you guys come back, you come back all the way. (laughs) We, of all of the shows, we canceled, I believe, seven productions. Mm. We managed to slot five into this upcoming season. So we're very, very proud of that and excited to bring those shows that we wanted to bring to stage, bring them back to the stage. That sounds amazing. That sounds so cool. Uh, you're listening to Speaking of the Arts. Our guest right now is Enola White. We're talking about Columbia Entertainment Company. She just gave us a, a tease of what's coming up. But right now coming up, the the final season or the final show of your, your current season mm-hmm. is A Killer Party. And this is another kind of gem in this the season of what do we do next? <laughs> How do we pivot? How do we bring theater into the homes of people? And uh, tell me a little bit about the show and how it got chosen for CEC. So the show, A Killer Party, is a murder mystery musical. Um, and one of the things that CEC has been doing the, through the pandemic is doing murder mysteries as fundraisers, as private events and, and different things. So when we saw this show on MTI's website, we're like, well, that makes perfect sense <laughs> right? to fit in with a odd season that somehow now has a theme um, if we close with a killer party. Yeah. Um, so it's a murder mystery musical that um, theater individuals will love because a artistic director at a theater in Duluth, Minnesota, his <laughs> name is Varthur McArthur, um, who is played by the wonderful Ronnie Rossi. Um, he is inviting all of his theater friends over to his house for a murder mystery dinner party. Um, and unfortunately, instead of one of the guests being fake dead, Varthur ends up dead dead. Um, so there is a lovely detective, uh, Detective Justine Case, who is played by Aaron Hansen, who does a delightful ingenue uh kind of she has detective case has no idea what's happening um (laughs) and is probably the worst person to be assigned to try to solve a murder um at a at a dinner party with theater folks um but somehow she manages to persevere and aaron does a good job of bringing that kind of life to the character um so detective case comes in and she just goes on all of the wild ride that you could think of that she would go on with a bunch of theater kids at a (laughs) dinner party That sounds amazing. Now, it's a musical. So Mm -hmm. how do you direct a musical over Zoom or however? How are you doing this? First of all, what is the technical medium that you're using? So everyone is recording themselves on their phones. You'd be surprised at the quality. Excuse me, the quality of a microphone and a video on yeah. your, your cell phone. So I'm um, thankful for technology that is, <laughs> that is um, pretty readily accessible to most people. Mm. Um, so everybody's been recording their vocals. Um, we have Michael O'Neill as our vocal director. He's also uh, playing Jeremy Jordan in kind of a cameo appearance. And nice. It's my favorite song. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm very excited for that. Uh, but he did some coaching with individuals one on one, either mm. um, if they felt comfortable in person um, or a little bit via Zoom just to help them get their vocals polished. And Caleb Alexander has this wonderful program that he let everybody use to upload their vocals and he's mixing it in the background. Ah. Um, And some the vocals that are coming out, everything, it it sounds fantastic. We are very, very blessed with the cast that we have because they're all super talented and are able to roll with the punches that you don't (laughs) expect that would come with a a virtual production. Absolutely. So now, you know, you talked a little bit about how you're just kind of your role as director with this particular show is kind of, you know, telling people what their deadlines are, collecting Mm -hmm. the pieces that that need to be submitted by them since they're kind of videoing and and doing their piece on their own. So 
what I see here is you're you have a lot of pieces. Right. Mm-hmm. Who puts all of the pieces together? <laughs> so Caleb is assembling the audio. Mm-hmm. Caleb Alexander is our audio engineer. He's assembling all of the audio puzzle pieces. Yes. And he is sending all of those pieces to Joel Shuttlesworth, who is our video editor. And Joel is like using his amazing skills um, <laughs> from the film industry and from um, his video editing experience to produce things that I'm just like, I don't understand how you're going to have these two people who are in two completely different houses, different lighting setups, how you're going to have them look like they're in the same room. Somehow he manages to do it. He's a and, wizard. I don't yeah. know if you knew that, but I, yeah, he's I a mean, wizard. I figured with the beard. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes sense that he would be a wizard. But yeah, he's done a fantastic job of like starting to assemble the puzzle pieces. And like I said earlier, the things that I've seen so far, I am super excited to see the final product. Yeah, I've actually gotten some sneak peeks myself because I think Joel, you know, there, there's this thing that happens when you're editing things and you're in front of a, a, a computer screen mm-hmm. for too long. You start to question your sanity a little yeah, bit. Yeah. I think we've all experienced <laughs> yes. that in the last year. But so he sent me some sneak peeks to, to, you know, I think check in to make sure that he hasn't gone off the deep end into, yeah, <laughs> into surreal land, but they are so incredible. I mean, what it, it is able to be accomplished with someone who actually has the the technical skills right. that, that we've all wished we had this past year but you know it, it just it's it's really quirky and fun and 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 Joel's you know touch you know his magic on it is just it really is going to be something we haven't seen this yeah, past yeah. year yeah it it really is and uh, the performances that we're getting from the individuals i mean it's one thing to, you know, go out on stage and perform in front of the crowd with the lights and everything. But it's another thing to be to be Trent Rash sitting in your bathroom, <laughs> filming a scene and moping um, and still still being able to, like, capture that that performance and the sincerity of that moment. And it, it's been wonderful because it, everything is captured. So you can see when the light clicks on and you can see when the light clicks off. That's so um, cool. And you just it, it, it's it's completely magical to, to watch that that process. I hope there's some kind of blooper reel or some kind of behind oh, the scenes be. thing. Joel, if you're listening, please, please make that happen, um, because like I said, there have been some fantastic moments that you might not see on camera, but it, it's going to be a wonderful ride. And I'm I, excited to I go on I think you it. could probably sell that as a premium, like a VIP yeah. package. Yeah. You oh, get the yeah. bloopers too. <laughs> so talk to me about how tickets work. How are people going to get to be able to watch a killer party? Um, so tickets typically go up about two weeks out. Um, so killer party is going to open open um, June 24th. Mm-hmm. Um, so mid-June, you can expect to see ticket sales available on CEC's website and also on our Facebook page. Um, so definitely visit the um, Facebook event that'll be created and go to cectheater.org um, to purchase your tickets. Um, and the it will be available on demand. So from June 24th all the way through July 4th, you'll be able to watch a killer party whenever you want um, <laughs> if you get your tickets um, through our website. Well, I think just mentioning Trent Rash moping in the bathroom, I think you probably sold 50 tickets I just now. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so that's fun. So are you thinking about doing any, now that the CDC has made this thing you know they say you know hey fully vaccinated people want to get together in a room and watch a show that's that's fine you know everybody can do that and it's safe to do that are you thinking about any kind of um screening at the theater. Yeah, uh, we absolutely are. We're thinking about uh, reaching out to our passport holders. They have been phenomenal this year um, at giving donations, at reaching out, making sure that the theater is still the theater. Mm. Um, We're still there on Nellwood. So reaching out to them and saying, hey, we have this thing that we'd like you to see before anybody else sees Mm -hmm. um, just to give 
one, to get feedback to make sure we actually have a good product because <laughs> I, I've seen those clips and I'm giving zero critical feedback because <laughs> I'm too busy laughing or I'm just in awe of what I'm seeing on the screen. Um, but also to, to bring them back to the space and remind them that, yeah, we're still here and we're still doing theater. Yeah. We're, uh, this is speaking of the arts. We're talking to Enola White about uh, Columbia Entertainment Company. Uh, the space, you just mentioned the space. When you walk into the space, how do you feel after months of the, the stage being dark and, and that kind of thing? How do, what, what are the feelings you experience? Well, right now I'm experiencing why is there so much stuff on my stage? <laughs> um, because we've done uh, some of the filming. Um, there's some green screen elements mm-hmm. in A Killer Party. So mm-hmm. we have a green screen hanging in the middle of the theater stage. Um, so I, right now I'm just like, why is there so much stuff? <laughs> uh, nothing's happening on the stage. But uh, when I first walked back into the space, um, when I was first uh, allowed to go into the space, it, it, I, I felt a sense of peace, mm-hmm. but I was also very sad. Um, yeah peaceful because it's it's my home Mm -hmm. and that's where I love to be and I love to be in that space and sad because I knew nothing was gonna be in that space for an extended period of time Um, and just trying to figure out how can we bring you know the theater to people safely but also still maybe have them come to our space um, safely Uh, that's been kind of a tricky line to to walk and I'm sure all of the theaters in town are experiencing the same troubles for sure yeah no I just think that these spaces they become almost like sacred spaces Mm -hmm. to us in our minds because so much happens there so many important journeys you know sometimes a a person will see a play and they'll they'll be inspired with their new career (laughs) or they'll Mm -hmm. be inspired Mm -hmm. to make a change or they'll be you know more reflective of something or develop empathy for a perspective they didn't consider before. I mean, there are so many magical things that happen within those spaces that I think the spaces themselves have become very important. And mm-hmm. I think there's been a there's been a grieving over this past year of just not being able to be in those spaces. So I know that people are looking forward to being back in there. You had a show where people were actually able to come into the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a one man show and and you offered it both ways so the people who weren't comfortable coming in for those select few seats. Uh, was that the first time that you had people, the public able to come back into the space uh, over the last year. So the first time we had people back in the space was in, and I'm going to get my year wrong. I think it was <laughs> November, 2020, um, with grounded. Grounded. Um, okay. And so that was a one woman show, right. um, kind of a similar setup to Satchmo. Um, so that was the first time that we had people back in our space and it was, it was awkward, yeah. but it was magically wonderful. Right. Um, because people were there, they were able to watch the show on the stage and you could tell that just having people even if it was like one or two people in the audience having people in the audience watching you have a performance it just it just made it that much better and um then when things started trending upward um we got more people in the audience um for satchmo at the waldorf which happened uh, in february 2021 and there was a it was a fantastic performance as well and it was just rewarding to to see butts in seats. Yeah. <laughs> um, because the other thing about the difference, main difference between Grounded and Satchmo and Grounded, we couldn't move any of the chairs. We had mm. 25 chairs and they were there and you sat where they were. Right. In 
um, Satchmo, we were able to have people in pods. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you came with a group of friends, you could actually sit with your group of friends. So then that added another element of, you know, when a joke would be uh, made on stage, you could see people leaning over and, you know, giving a, a, a <laughs> nice little elbow um, and saying, oh, that was funny. Um, so it just that lended that much more authenticity to the audience, which then enhanced the performance. Absolutely. And, and the energy changes for both the audience and the actor. Mm-hmm. I think when you're in the same space, sharing the yeah. same, you know, air at respiratory droplets. I don't know. <laughs> when you're in the same space yes. together, my, my family laughs at me when I say, you know, when I talk about energy, but there is definitely something there that, that flows between, you know, both people, both audience and performer have a role to play mm-hmm. when it comes to live performance. Absolutely. And when one of those elements is missing, it, it just feels just try to watch stand up comedy or improv on <laughs> yeah. virtually. It's mm-hmm. just like, there's something that, that, the the actor needs there's something that the you know the audience needs as right. far as something's missing mm-hmm. there's the, a piece of that puzzle so as an actress and a musician what are you most looking forward to looking you know ahead to the the coming season not just for CEC but just yourself as a performer I cannot wait to pull out my saxophones and play in a pit <laughs> orchestra I am so excited um, I did a video for Cabaret for a Cause with Talking Horse Productions yeah. and that was the first time that I had touched my my saxophone since Legally Blonde, the musical had closed wow. in February 2020. Um, so I want an excuse to play. <laughs> um, and when I'm looking at, you know, CEC season and seeing what Maplewood is doing and kind of hearing some rumblings about what might be coming back at Talking Horse, and <laughs> what might be occurring at Talking Horse, I'm super excited to get back to the music part. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's something that I've experienced talking to musicians locally that, you know, there's something, you know, you can, you can pull out your, your horn by yourself, but it's not the same. It's not the same when you're not playing with other people mm-hmm. and, and really feeling that kind of coming together. So um, what, <laughs> what um, uh, projects are you looking forward to coming out or anything in particular um, well winter wonderettes has a wonderful little saxophone okay, part all right. um, and then of course the producers <laughs> is going to need all all of the horns that it can possibly have so i'm i'm super excited for those two specifically at cec um and then any excuse that i have to to get on stage and and perform uh, i'm looking for that too i think we need to make excuses for yes. that to happen because you're a phenomenal actress oh, i love you. seeing you on stage thank you, thank you very much i don't do it that often because <laughs> the pit is really my home but well well, and you're and you're amazing there too. See, I would love. I mean, you've saved my butt as an actress on stage before, like going up on a, a lyric in a song, and you've you know circled the orchestra back around <laughs> to catch me and lift me up. So I appreciate you in that role very much too. But you just you have a wonderful energy and presence as a as a performer. You. you know, in in any uh, form that takes. So well, thank <laughs> you, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to to do like I said, whatever I can, um, because I mean we're all in the same boat. We're we've been itching. We've been yearning to get back on the stage, get back into our spaces. Yeah. And I, whatever form that takes, I'm excited to, to take part of it. Yes. Yay. Well, I'm, I'm very excited. The Producers is a huge show, by the it way. Is. Yeah. I mean, you weren't kidding when you're saying you're going to end the season with like the, the bang of all yeah. bangs. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. huge. Are you worried at all that people aren't going to come out for either auditions or the pit or audiences? Or are you just like banking that everybody's so ready for 
this kind of season. If you had asked me a few weeks ago when we were first like, okay, we're going to do this. And I'm like, oh, we're, this is the season we're going to do. Okay, um, this is ambitious. And then we announced the season and the buzz yeah. uh, of hearing everybody like, I can't believe you're doing this or I can't believe this is coming back. I am not worried at all. Yeah. We're, there's going to be plenty of people to audition. Um, the musicians, the, the Como Pit um, musicians Facebook group started to blow up um, when the shows started to get announced locally, um, not only here in Columbia, but also um, in Fayette and in Fulton. Nice. Like people are itching to get back. So we'll probably have more individuals who want to do the things than we need, <laughs> um, which is a good problem to have. For sure. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm still waiting on the gender swapped uh, producers because I want to play Max Bialystock. That's one of my, you know, bucket lists. <laughs> hey, come out, audition. Let's no, do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's a fantastic season. I'm so proud of the way it's, uh, Columbia Entertainment Company has handled this past Thank you. year and pivoted so beautifully and still pivoting and still bringing us quality productions and looking forward to a live season ahead. So give us your Facebook uh, uh, website, anything that people can go to to find more information and just geek out about what's coming. Yeah, Facebook is the best place to find um, the most up-to-date information um, about CEC, Columbia Entertainment Company. If you search that, it'll drag you right to our Facebook page. Um, If you go to our website, cectheater.org, you'll find out a whole bunch of information about upcoming shows. We actually have a couple of director announcements that oh. are going up right now. Um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch is searching for directors. And we're also looking for directors for the next two shows of uh, Arsenic and Old Lace and Winter Wonderette. So if you're interested in those, go to our website to find a little bit more information. And that's cectheater.org. Excellent. Directing is kind of like playing Barbies with real life human beings. That's that's why I like it. It's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you very it's much It's been a pleasure talking to you. Absolutely. <laughs> You're listening to Speaking of the Arts on 89.5 KOPN. I'm Monica Palmer in for Diana Moxon, who's off gallivanting, having a blast as she so deserves to do. So um, I, of course, you know, when Diana said, you get to fill in and do this and you can choose your guests, I said, oh, I want to talk all theater people all hour. So <laughs> my next guests are from Maplewood Barn Community Theater. I have Christopher Gould and Morgan Dennehy. Sorry, I butchered your name earlier in the show. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> Facebook messes with you because when you see all of the names on Facebook it does you they become part of who you <laughs> how you associate people <laughs> well it's hyphenated on Facebook so my high school people could find me exactly so, you know maiden name versus married name and poof there you are poof, there. <laughs> eloquently put. So Maplewood Barn has, uh, you know, you guys had to pivot just like everyone else, but you had some different options because of the outdoor nature of Maplewood. Tell me, let's let's look back first and then we'll look forward. Tell me about what you're proudest of. Same question I asked Enola. What are you proudest of uh, for, for Maplewood as a whole, the community uh, in, in the past year? Um, that we actually got to show up during pandemic time. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> we, we did a staged reading, as you well know, because you were involved. My very first Maplewood show. We were that so was... excited to have you. So we did, um, the Shakespearean play Love's Labor's Lost as a dramatic staged reading. And as a matter of fact, Christopher, as you also know, directed that one. So that is handy. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Christopher. <laughs> So that was a, a staged reading. So yes. tell me about what what that involved as far as, you know, how how that met the the uh, regulations that were in place all of a sudden, you know, you had to do all of these different things. I know because I was there and I was watching the people wipe down the, the 
on the stools, but tell me about what you had to do. Well, okay. So in a traditional stage reading, you have a line of chairs across the front of the stage and people sit on them, usually with music stands and scripts. And then you just read the play as if you were doing the play, except with no blocking and and nothing else. Um, I had, we did sort of a hybrid for Love's Labor's Lost. It was a stage reading with blocking. So people came on when it was their time to come on. And then when they were done, they would leave. And that way we were able to keep the socially, socially distanced cast. Um, there was only a couple of scenes in which everyone was on stage at the same time. And so we set the stools. We actually used um, stools rather than chairs. We set them sort of on an arc um, so that everybody would be six feet away from each other at all times. And I think that worked out pretty well. Um, you mentioned the disinfecting. We did a lot of disinfecting. <laughs> every night after every performance, we'd wipe, uh, wipe down all the stools, wipe down all the music stands, wipe down the bathrooms, wipe down anything that's been touched. Mm-hmm. And to a certain extent, we're still doing that. It's not quite as panicked, if you like, but um, every night we're still wiping down all the door handles and wiping down the bathrooms and everything else. Just, just as just is a just-in-case measure. I mean, the mask ordinance may have expired and not been renewed locally, but the CDC guidelines still recommend a lot of disinfecting, so that's what we're sure. doing. Well, I can speak as, as one of the cast members of that particular show. I, de- I never felt um, unsafe. I felt like everyone was very respectful of the restrictions. I always felt like, um, you know, Morgan and you, bo- you know, both of you were always, you know, hey, make sure you're wearing a mask, make sure you're wiping, you know, so I think that I felt very safe. Do you feel like the audience members felt safe and do you feel like they, you know, they came out in the same numbers and that kind of thing? It was not the same numbers, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, <laughs> the fun part was grabbing the spray paint can and going out there and spray, paint, <laughs> spray painting circles spray painting. for everybody's pods on the lawn so (laughs) you know when they come came to the box office please make sure you sit with your family in your little circle and have your little bubble and you know but the fact that we had anybody come out to see it i feel like is a major win for sure because that was right before everything really ramped back up again and everybody started panicking and again buying all toilet paper and (laughs) you know (laughs) So I think that that was an absolute win and be having to cancel the rest of the season was extremely disappointing. Yeah, but it was the right call without any any question because there was just no no way to do the next couple shows safely because the cast were so large for sure and staged readings where you can't do a staged reading with a musical you you know (laughs) you you can't do a staged reading with something as dramatic as as she kills monsters. Mm -hmm. So it I think that we made the right call to do what we did. Well, and speaking of calls, we were, we were talking to you, Enola, in the first segment about CEC having to cancel a show that was weeks away from coming up. You guys had a similar situation, but there were children involved. And that had to be the most heartbreaking thing of all, when children in- yes. invest themselves in a theater production and then telling them, sorry. You know, we we went as far as we could with, with Once Upon a Mattress. Mm-hmm. Um, we even videotaped a lot of the numbers so we could maybe just stream the um, music so that parents could see the kids dance and act and then the streaming rights never manifested (sighs) and so we had all this footage that we had to destroy because there was literally nothing we could do with it oh that's heartbreaking and it absolutely was heartbreaking and I still get calls from parents going so when are we going to see this and it's like I I, I can't legally I can't can't." and it just 
you know, I hate being the villain. I hate right. being the bad guy. And I had to say, I can't, it had to all go away. So do you, how do you, do you reboot? I know Springfield little theater, they had, Ma- uh, they had Matilda scheduled and they're, they're rebooting it this summer, but all of the kids have grown <laughs> so much that they don't fit in their costumes anymore and stuff. So are, is there a possibility of a reboot of Once Upon a Mattress? Once Upon a Mattress, no. But I can say stay tuned because we'll be announcing our season in the next couple months or weeks. And there you may see some familiar names that it did have to get canceled from 2020. Good, good. Okay. (laughs) That's comforting. Well, let's focus on this season because this season looks pretty darn phenomenal. And it's got a nice theme to it, too, because we're celebrating 200 years as a state. And and Maplewood, you guys decided to go ahead and, and celebrate that and coming back together. So tell us about the season. Well, we had a little bit of an inside track because <laughs> I'm the I'm actually the bicentennial projects coordinator for the state bicentennial. So I knew that this was coming. And so I went to the board and I said, hey, guys, you know, this is this is happening. We right. should do this. And Amanda Adkins is like, oh, we could do the whole season that way. And <laughs> so that's what they decided to do with the season. Our 2021 season is Missouri based, either mm-hmm. Missouri authors set in Missouri in some way or just celebrating the state in some form or fashion. Nice. And so that's what we decided to do. Well, I mean, we have uh, legendary Missouri playwright William Shakespeare represented in there. <laughs> now, <laughs> okay, that's one of the ones that's set in Missouri in some way. Right. And Dana Baki is directing that one, and she has some amazing ideas. So stay tuned for that. She does. I remember when Dana, she, she was like, okay, I have a crazy idea. You need to talk me out of it and tell me that it's crazy. And I was like, actually... That's not a crazy idea. <laughs> so I'm spoilers. You didn't talk her out of it, and that is happening. <laughs> That's wonderful. I'm so excited. But you're kicking off your season with a show that I've never heard of, which that always excites me when I when I see a show that I've never heard of, never seen, and it's brand new, and I get to experience it for the first time, and we get to experience the direction of Christopher Gould with this show. So fifth of July, what is this show about? Fifth of July is a play by Lanford Wilson. Lanford Wilson is a Missouri-born playwright. Um, actually, um, CEC did uh, his show Book of Days a number of years ago. Fifth of July is about the Talley family, who lives in Lebanon, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, Ken Talley, who's the central figure of this generation, is a Vietnam veteran. I should say that the the play takes place in the late 70s. Mm, okay. So Ken is fairly fresh out of Vietnam without legs. Mm. Um, he was injured in Vietnam and he lost his legs. He lives in the old Tally, I guess, household mansion, 19 room, 19 room house with his mm. lover, Jed. And his aunt Sally is around a lot. But then this weekend, the 4th of July weekend, um, they have been descended upon by a variety of people. His sister, (laughs) June, played by our lovely Morgan Dennehy, and her daughter, Shirley, have descended upon them from St. Louis. First of all, can I just interrupt to say that anytime family visits, we should always phrase it as they're descending upon you. Yes, I think so. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And in this case, they truly are. It's it's truly an invasion of outsiders. Wow. Um, Yeah. So June and Shirley have joined Sally in coming down from St. Louis for a visit. And then their childhood and college friends, John Landis, not the same John Landis, but John Landis and his wife Gwen are also there as well, along with Gwen's guitar player, Weston Hurley. Gwen is an up-and-coming country singer. Oh, wow. And Weston is her is her guitar player. And so they're all in the house for the July 4th weekend, ostensibly to... Can I talk about this? I guess I can talk about this. <laughs> I don't see um, why not. <laughs> 
Sally's husband, Matt, has died the previous year and was mm-hmm. cremated, and she has his ashes mm-hmm. in a candy box. <laughs> and they like are you do. everyone is there <laughs> to witness the scattering of the ashes upon the river. Gotcha. Okay. But there's some question as to whether that's going to happen. Oh. Meanwhile, Ken is all set, supposedly, to start teaching for the local high school, but he has had a, an incident where he's beginning to get, I hate to say it, but cold feet. Mm. In this case, cold uh, cold, uh, what's the word? We're not, not wooden Limbs? feet. No, yeah. <laughs> Apprehensive? No, I'm actually thinking of, oh, fiberglass. Cold fiberglass oh, feet. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> See, I try to make a bad joke and it just turns into a production number. <laughs> so now you mentioned a guitar player and up and coming. So is, is there music? Is it a musical? Is it a play with music? Or It is not. Um, okay. There is, it, when it was in its original version, mm-hmm. um, there was guitar playing and singing on the stage um, at the end of the production. There was a song that was specifically written for the play and and it was performed on the stage this is a later version of the play Mm -hmm. where the song has actually been taken out um we it is it is available for licensing for people who want to do the play but we have chosen to go with a different artist um in fact local musician meredith shaw we will be featuring her (laughs) song whiskey situation at the end of the show fantastic one of my favorites i think that's the 2020 theme song for me personally whiskey situation but you know that's just (laughs) well and it continues the missouri theme and the missouri artist thing very beautifully absolutely it does well that's wonderful now Talk about Lanford Wilson. This is not Lanford Wilson is not an easy uh, playwright to direct or act or you know. There's a lot of emotional depth and uh, character. I mean, just a tad. It's it's fraught. I mean, his his plays are fraught with emotion, and and this play in particular. I mean, everyone, every character on stage has their issues. Yeah. Um, I've been fortunate enough to put together a cast where every cast member also has their issues. Well, well, I think that's I mean, a good thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they can they can relate better to the characters if they have their own complex journey, right? I was talking with my partner last <laughs> night, and and I said, you know, I don't know how I manage it, but I just happened to put together just the most bleeped up cast for this show. <laughs> I don't know if I resent that or if I'm complimented by that. <laughs> Morgan, tell me about your character in Fifth of July. You made a face that I can't quite put a pin on what it represented, well, but you made a face when Christopher was talking about your character. Well, I mean, I love June. June is an ex-activist, ex-hippie who currently has a stick wedged very closely <laughs> up her butt okay. and um, is very sarcastic and in a lot of ways is very me and a lot of ways is not very me. Mm. And like Christopher mentioned, this this show is fraught with emotional issues. Yeah. And for some reason, I decided to use this one as my launch pad into <laughs> Columbia Theater on stage instead of being back behind stage. This is my first time on stage since like 2005. You're kidding. No, I'm not know singing that. notwithstanding, but this is my first wow. acting gig since 2005. That's huge. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, and for me, this is this was an unexpected purge of issues because my uh. stepfather was in Vietnam and I came back with PTSD and unfortunately did did not survive the PTSD. Oh, wow. So, you know, there's a lot of issues when they're talking about some of the things that Ken goes through during Vietnam and that he's going through um, in the present day for him. It's very hard for me to listen to. And in fact, I called my mom and my sister. I'm like, nah, don't come see the show. Like, yeah, you know, because, you know, I mean, I'm having issues. I can only imagine, you know, but um, they're coming anyway, because 
you know, they love there you, you go. And you can't give them away. <laughs> but June, June is wonderful. She's she tried so hard to fix the world. Yeah. And it did not work. And so mm. now she's decided to shift that focus and try and fix her family. Gotcha. And to be this this background matriarch and try and, you know, corral everyone and make everyone work. Well, I don't see and, any potential problems with that. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, there you go. So there mm. and there's lots of twists and turns and surprises that pop up here and there. And it's very interesting to deal with when you've never been on stage before and i'm not a mother um i have a dog and that's as close (laughs) as i've gotten to being a mother so this is a whole new world for me in several levels very similar i was actually just talking to diana moxon and she you know has two dogs and she said this is why i didn't have children because i am like two minutes away from my house and the anxiety is already taking over right right now and instead of the the mommy mommy you have that that bark that hits just the the right pitch that makes your brain go right yep so (laughs) um it's it's interesting and my daughter Shirley um is very dramatic and very Mm. wonderful and you know I spend a lot of the time watching her going where did you come from (laughs) so you know well, that's wonderful. We're, you're listening to Speaking of the Arts on KOPN, and uh, we're talking to friends from Maplewood Barn Community Theater, Christopher Gould and Morgan Dennehy. And we're discussing the show 5th of July, which is a Lanford Wilson show, and it's coming up next weekend. Like, you guys yeah. are ready to open, yeah, we, right? We open, we open next Thursday, um, June 3rd. We are going the 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th, and then the following weekend, the as I, as I scroll my phone for the dates, the 10th, 11th, 12th, and 13th. So tell me what possible what 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 uh, problems arose of going from a virtual world of doing theater virtually and distanced and all of the weird things we had to do back to being in a space where you have I'm assuming characters interacting physically and being close to each other. What was that like? Well, I got to say, I, I feel like and and you and I have have you and I have worked together in this capacity as well. And you know that generally my shows are pretty tight and pretty drama free. I feel like I'm getting my karmic payback with this one because <laughs> just about everything that could gone good could go wrong mm. has gone wrong. And so I am now constantly hoping for the best and preparing for the worst. But to answer your question more directly, um, the last year has been very strange for all of us, of course. Mm-hmm. I am personally very blessed because I've gotten to direct two shows in the last year, um, Love's Labor's Lost that we were talking about before, and then um, you were talk- discussing Grounded with Enola, and I actually directed Grounded. There are so many like crossovers in our community. We are really a family. Like, yes, it's just, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, yes. Absolutely. So, and, was- so, I, and so for me, it has not been as much of a enforced vacation because I have been able to direct live theater in the yeah. last year, and that's been very nice. But... Um, I will say, I think everyone is a little bit rusty. Mm. My directing skills are a little bit rusty, (laughs) and the actor's acting skills are a little bit rusty, and no one is really used... Everyone has forgotten what it's like to, like, not have to wear a mask all the time and not have to keep your distance from everyone. And I think a lot of people's filters have just gone away over mm. the last year oh, as a result of the pandemic comment. because hmm. people are much more people are much more real with each other, which hmm. can be a very good thing or very not so good thing, yeah, sure. depending. When they all talk back to the director. Yes, it's it's. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, I will say about my cast, I do love them all as I've fallen in love with all my casts. But this one really does seem to want to workshop every 
question that comes up and it's like would mm. you you know you people are all very nice and, <laughs> and very helpful but right now you're being a little too helpful because i can't think right and i need to think in order to you know resolve this situation exactly. so i need you all to be to to be quiet now please thank you <laughs> Um, naturally, I, I probably have said things a little less kindly than that. Uh, I do occasion. I have definitely lost my temper more than I usually do when I direct. Morgan, you rolled your eyes a little bit there. <laughs> I, I, I say nothing. I'm going to plead the fifth on that okay, one. Okay, right. um, I, I will say though, Same. we do. We are blessed. This particular show to have some new blood mm-hmm. into the barn who've either never been into the barn before or have never been on stage nice. before. Oh, that's good. Myself, notwithstanding, we do have a couple, you know, cast members that this is their very first show since maybe middle school or ever. Which is a beautiful <clears throat> thing about community theater because people Absolutely. come from all different levels of experience. And- Absolutely, but I think that may account for a lot of the questions and the sure. constant workshopping because I know that there's you know we're, we're, we're not all sure and I will throw my own self under the bus and say <laughs> I honestly can can never remember upstage versus downstage and stage, le- stage left versus stage right <laughs> because I'm used to being out in the audience right. and seeing it from that perspective and watching and workshopping there than rather standing on stage and having the director tell me how to fix something or sure. do something differently or yes, keep doing what you're doing. It's so bizarre. <laughs> I can't even begin to tell you how bizarre of an experience this has been for me. So yeah. You think it's hard to remember which which way is stage right and stage left when you're on stage? Try being the director and sitting in the audience and then trying to flip your own <laughs> yeah. directions so that you can tell the cast the correct way to go. Because of course my left is stage right and my right is stage left. And there have been moments where I I say, okay, I want you to move. Okay, stage right. And I need to take a moment to try to do that flip in my head. It's no longer quite so automatic as it has been in the past. Well, I, you know, I know that you're very humble, so I, I think that we can read into what all of this that you've said that we're we're in for a very good show, a very oh, uh, so. intense yeah. experience. It sounds like, and and a wonderful uh, emotional journey, which you know some of us haven't quite got. We haven't quite gotten that full impact of theater in a year and so this is going to deliver it sounds like so i'm excited i do need to say that we have i mean we've got a couple of little warnings um there's there's content warning for discussions of sex discussions of drugs discussions of violence and of course trigger warning for discussions of war and the results of war thank you for noting those i appreciate that so Let's we 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 te- we teased a little bit about Henry V. So we're going from fifth of July into Henry V, which is probably one of the most intense Shakespeare uh, histories. So. Tell me about this process. You, I know you've cast it already. It has been cast. Um, again, like I said, Dana Baki is the director. And because I have been spending so much time on 5th of July, unfortunately, I haven't been able to pop in. So you're just letting Dana see. run amok and do whatever she wants? Oh, that's scary. Kind of. You have no idea. I'm such a control freak. And the 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 president of the barn in my brain is going, I really need to go check in with these people. And I cannot do so because She's I'm such here. a pro. I don't think you have anything to oh, worry about. Oh, no, absolutely. But it's more curiosity on my sure. part because I really kind of want to see how this goes yeah um but it is it is set during the missouri civil war or during the civil war in missouri um Mm -hmm. with some differences and flips um i think all the references to france and england have been removed okay um i know they've removed entire scenes so it's 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 not i don't want to say abbreviated but it is a a changed version as far as shortened Mm -hmm. because henry v is very intense and very long yeah. and there's only so much you can do out at Maplewood Barn with you know war and such but um 
They're getting the trucks going just so you talking about it. I'm, they're preparing. I, they're, the emergency <laughs> vehicles have mobilized. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to be an amazing show. I do know the cast is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so it's it's going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to see what Dana has put together. But Henry V is never... It's one of the very rarely done right. Shakespeare shows on stage. And so uh, people were just chomping at the bit for it. And well, I know my husband was really disappointed that he couldn't audition for it because he was involved in other things. So, uh, Well, it's certainly a testament to, to Shakespeare's writing that the, the emotions, the conflicts, the humanness of us and how we keep yeah. repeating... The, the same patterns. kind of conflicts and patterns. Absolutely. It certainly is a testament to how Shakespeare was able to observe those things and then capture those things. The human condition. Yeah. I One of the things I love so much about Shakespeare is because it is so universal and you can set it anywhere. Yeah. So Missouri during the Civil War, when I did Much Ado About Nothing, we set it here during halftime or during a <laughs> homecoming and we right. had football players instead of uh, soldiers coming home from war. So you can really do almost anything with Shakespeare. And and thereby because he's tra- dead and he can't complain no i'm just kidding <laughs> well there's that yes but i mean the, to the, by doing that you can translate it to people you know yes. now and make it easier to understand absolutely make it more relevant yeah for sure yeah so what comes up after henry v we have plan nine the musical from outer space i'm which so is, excited about this again directed by christopher gould so i'm going to let him talk about Plan nine. So you got two of the three shows. Two of the three shows in your brain right now. Oh, I know. (laughs) I I don't know what I was thinking. (laughs) You were thinking it's it's the feast or famine syndrome. I think is like you know go from from nothing to all things. So (laughs) well, the funny thing is, is that I had planned on applying to direct for Plan Nine first, and Mm -hmm. then I read Fifth of July and went, oh, this is exactly the kind of thing I love to direct. So I ended up applying for both, and. um, we uh, we we moved some <laughs> dates around in the season so that I could actually direct both without going insane or trying to clone myself. That makes um, sense. Still, I wish I could have cloned myself because it's a lot of prep for two shows at once. In mm. any case, Plan Nine, the musical from Outer Space, <laughs> is written by three local community members, theater community members: Chris Bowling, Meg Phillips Crespi, and Jay West. It was written, I think, about 15 years ago, and it was staged at the barn. Um, I believe that's the only place it's actually been performed. Was It was at the barn about 15 years ago. Um, the play selection committee was casting about for Missouri playwrights, and somebody said, Hey, what about <laughs> this one? This was written by locals. And they said, Yeah, what a great idea. So here we are. Plan 9, the musical from Outer Space, is a loving musical homage to the old, bad, 1950s, black and white, Z-budget Ed Wood film, Mm -hmm. Plan 9 from Outer Space, starring such luminaries as Bela Lugosi in his final role in which he died during the production and was replaced by Ed Wood's wife's gynecologist. Uh, Tor Johnson, the giant bald wrestler as a police detective who gets turned into a zombie, um, and and other luminaries of the time. Um, we're going to try to recreate those luminaries as best as we can, um, but this is a rock and roll musical. I might almost call it a punk rock musical, mm, mm-hmm. um, given that the music style is very loud and very fast and very, very guitar heavy. Yeah, and perfect um, for you know a great night out at the park. You know, drinking. It absolutely will a be a great night. It's going to be a it's crazy, a crazy show, <laughs> and, and I mean that in a positive sense. Though I suspect the production is going to be somewhat crazy as well. <laughs> 
But um, I am actually your previous guest. Enola White is actually serving as the music director for this production. Yay. So it's so a pity. It's a pity rock. we missed each other. We could have maybe talked a <laughs> little bit. We should have just had a party. Line. I really, I really missed the boat. Theater on this. party. I should have just had a theater party in the studio. <laughs> Packed as many theater people in as possible. That would have been great. Sorry what a great about idea. that. No, no, that's fine. Um, <laughs> Next time. <laughs> so it's going to be. I mean, there's singing, there's dancing, there's acting, and none of it. Has to be particularly good because the original source material was quite bad itself. That's hilarious. So this is going to be. I'm going to try to create a so bad it's good musical <laughs> to emulate the so bad it's good movie. I love that idea. You know, um, Plan Nine was one of the first shows I ever saw in Columbia. Period. And then Columbia uh, Theater and Maplewood Barn, and I just thought. This community is really groovy. Yeah. <laughs> like, this yeah. community is full Absolutely. of some really fun, exciting, you know, daring people that are going to put stuff like this together. And I just knew, like, I think I might call this place home longer than the year that I was planning on stay- staying here. And here I am and, a lot of years later. <laughs> you know, and we're very happy for that. <laughs> you know what's going to be really fun, too, is um, in August, around Statehood Day for Bicentennial, yeah. they're doing a big Together 21 Fest downtown to celebrate. Oh, cool. You know the the bicentennial, and August seventh at seven p.m. at um, Jesse Auditorium, we'll be doing a um, Maplewood Barn season in review. Oh, cool! So we'll be doing <laughs> scenes from all three musicals out at Jesse Auditorium for those people that I maybe missed it or just want to come back and re- relive what we just saw for the season. So that's going to be a lot of fun. All three shows. They're not all musicals. No, all three shows. Sorry. I thought, well, see, I got excited. I thought that you were going to no, make them into like no. short little mini musicals. Like- my, my brain is not <laughs> attached to the rest of me at this current. I moment. was really looking forward to, to June like singing a song about how she was going to save her family. Like that's. I mean, I could, but I don't think anybody. <laughs> wants to hear that. <laughs> well, it is funny because um, um, Weston does play his guitar on the stage as yeah. sort of as an, as an undertone mm. situation. And so, you know, the the wonderfully talented local Parker Ross is playing Weston oh, and right. Parker plays guitar. And so he brought his guitar in. And so West will occasionally be strumming guitar underneath, you know, while he's on stage underneath everyone else's performances nice. because West is kind of a a stoned hippie guitar player, and so that's what he does. Those are my favorite. Those are my favorite. I'm like, far this. out, man. <laughs> far out. Well, I'm just so excited about your theater. And again, like I said to Anola, I'm very proud of Maplewood Barn and how you guys have, have pivoted and, and really reinvented yourself in, in the times that you had to and, and look forward with, you know, optimism. And I, I, there's one other question that I had to ask about Plan 9 before we move off of that, though. I know that Chris Bowling had the UFO in his shed for a really long time. It, are we going to see the UFO again? I need to know this. Not the same UFO. Not the same. Okay. <laughs> I have some ideas for how we're going to incorporate a UFO. Um <laughs> And how that UFO is going to move across the stage, but I'm not going to spoil them Please here. Please don't spoil. I love to be surprised. So <laughs> just knowing that there's going to be a surprise. And that show is so quirky and so uh, so Maplewood. I just yeah. love that it's it's uniqueness and it's celebration of some of our favorite people here in mid-Missouri, too. I think that it's perfect for your season. I love that we get to celebrate uh, Missouri and theater and being outside and together watching theater together. Those are Absolutely. all good things. Agreed. One of the great things I love about the 20. 20 with all the craziness is how the theater community has really banded together and worked together to try and save each other. It's yeah. been this wonderful camaraderie that I think is a very positive thing that's coming out come out of all of this 
COVID chaos. So I, I, I applaud all of us for really working together and, and being a community here. Absolutely. Morgan Dennehy, Christopher Gould, thank you guys so much for coming in and telling us about Maplewood. Give us your website address in case anyone wants to look into more of uh, what's coming. Maplewoodbarn.com. Uh, you That's can go easy. there. Right, exactly. <laughs> Maplewoodbarn.com. And then you can connect to Facebook from there. And Facebook is really the best way to keep up with all of our shows, our radio shows, which of course go up every Friday. And you have a podcast now, too. Yes. Yeah. During during our on-season, we do Maplewood Barn Radio. Um, and it we do interviews with cast members and directors and the board of directors just to give you a more inside look at what how Maplewood Barn works. And then once the season's over, we'll go right back into all of our wonderful radio plays. I love it. I love it. And that's Richard Harris. Should we give Richard a, a shout out for that? Richard or is that a Harris, community affair? He's handling all of the, the technical aspect. And then Colin Smiley is handling all of the interviews and and being our on mic guy and actually directing a lot of the radio shows too so the two of them are and also um mel wolverson she's also helping out there and and doing a lot of technical things so it's they're like the the um terrible trio the three musketeers (laughs) working on the radio behind the scenes it's wonderful fantastic well thank you both for coming in today it was great to see your faces in person and geek out about theater with people i like absolutely thank you monica (laughs) thanks for having us you're listening to speaking of the arts we missed Diana Moxon this week, but I think she'll be back next week, so I'm very excited about that. I'm sorry I didn't do the show in a British accent, as I threatened to do. (laughs) But Speaking of the Arts is on 89.5 KOPN.